0: Well, David, we kicked it off nicely with the wrong day of the week. It is, in fact, Monday. I've never been on the radio on a Friday. I don't That's know where I that thought. came from. Yeah, <laughs> with us in the studio, fortunately, in uh, in full command of his uh, his senses is uh, David Peterson from Walls End Community Nursery. Good day,
1: David. Hello, Phil, and good afternoon, everyone.
0: On this lovely Monday yes, afternoon. Yes, it
1: is a beautiful yes. day. <laughs> okay,
0: a uh, busy weekend at the nursery. Oh yes, yes. I mean, yeah. look,
1: the weather was great. That. Um, shower of rain that some people did not didn't have yesterday morning. I know yep. we had it at the nursery mm, first thing in yeah, the morning. Yeah. I thought, oh, dear, this is going to be slow today. But, my goodness, the shower cleared away. The sun came out and we were, just... we were running all day. So it yep. was a great day. Lovely to get a little bit of rain. Yes, rain. it was. A fair bit more thought would, it would have been, nice. been Yeah, I thought yeah, it would yeah. have been more, but never mind.
0: Yeah, next weekend, apparently. Okay. Maybe a chance right. of, That's of some more rain. I just keep watering until then because <laughs> uh, it's a very critical time for our gardens, is. isn't it? It this, certainly is, Phil, warm yes. spring weather. And um, from what I understand, you to get um, gradually warmer through the week. Okay, so, that's uh, the, good. That little um, Today's beautiful. Yeah, it's chilly. just a
1: nice temperature, nice breeze yeah. blowing out there. What better day could you um, want to be getting out into the garden?
0: In fact, I, I was out in the garden up until about oh, half past ten before okay. I had to... great quickly put some clean clothes on and rush (laughs) uh, into the studio. It was lovely out there. Okay, 49216216 is our number here on Gardening Talkback on 2NURFM 103.7. David's here until half past one to answer all of those gardening questions. 49216216 is the number. Now's a good time to give us a call, and uh, David's got some wonderful things to give away. Um, including David, um, uh, the voucher. Yes. Um. Gardening Walkback is no more. What David's giving away, one caller a month now, is a voucher for the cafe and the the nursery, which is a wonderful thing to do. It is. It's great. You could spend the whole day out there. You could, yes. And uh, that goes to someone chosen at random once a month. David, you've brought in some wonderful things to give away to uh, a lucky caller on today's program. I have. Chosen right at the end of the program. yes. So people do need to be listening (laughs) right through to the end um the plant is isn't is, it weird it's, it's oh i mean weird. it's not
1: weird but it, it's unusual it's and weird in a spectacular yes, way yeah I tell know. us all about it it's called an area, and it, this one this particular one is called bees lilac now there's a series of these it's a little clumpy ground cover uh, it stays very, very short, the actual foliage, but then it sends up these most beautiful yeah. long stems. And there's nothing on the stem until you get right to the very top where it's a nice little pom-pom flower, and this particular one is a lilac colour. It just looks like a pom-pom sitting it on the top of the little, these does. little sticks. Now, you'd think they were just little sticks stuck into the ground, but it's a beautiful little thing. As I said, there are a series of these in different colours, and they do look a feature in the garden.
0: They look good mixed.
1: Yes, they, they do. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly yeah. in clumps, they look really, really good, because yeah. you can sometimes plant the different colors together or else one color planted all together Marbles, yeah. now they do have a very long flowering period these so they flower right through from spring right through into the summer and even if you're very lucky into the autumn as well and so they like a nice good sunny spot in the garden Armeria is what it's called beautiful little plant as well as that i'm giving away just a surprise pack today because it actually consists of this backyard harvest pack it's called oh. and it consists of a, a bag of seed raising mixture a little tray to to plant your seeds in, as well as some seeds, and also a growing chart there. This is a good one for the kids, this one, I think, because it's um, mostly a lettuce one, this one. You can get different series in these, and I'll probably do this over the next following weeks, bring in one of these different ones each week. So t- today it's a lettuce one, uh, so it's got all those things combined in the, the actual bag, as well as that I'm giving away a box of the tomato food. Now, I'll be doing this for some time now because I know... Every single listener must have a tomato in their garden at this very, very moment. And I'm sure even most of those listeners have probably even got flowers or even fruit already starting to form on their tomato plants. And as well as that box, I've got some other sachets stuck in that bag as well, Phil.
0: Okay, one lucky caller at the end of the program from uh, amongst the people who ring up with questions for David today will be the recipient of those wonderful things.
1: And hey, Phil, before we yep. go on to our, our callers, I just yep. want to say a very big thank you to all those people that have come into the nursery and actually said hello to me. Those people that listen to me yep. every week, uh, that haven't actually met me, that they came in and they say hello to me. So I just wanted to thank all of those people. Over the last week particularly, I've had so many people that have come in and made themselves known ah, to me. Isn't that Lovely. And, of course, really good comments about our show, Phil.
0: Oh, well, that's good, too. Yeah, I think pe- people must feel that they know you, David. Well, because... I had
1: a lady this morning that said she thought I had blonde hair. Oh. Uh, never even thought of having blonde hair and i don't even think i ever want to think of me having blonde hair but um, there no, you go so no. it's just amazing what people visualize me being as And lots of people yeah. i might say think that i'm much older than what i actually am phil
0: oh maybe they're getting you confused with me <laughs> <laughs> you're just a young whippersnapper and i know aren't i am yes yeah. so
1: let's get on to the course
0: okay Tom. um online is max from barnsley hello max
2: good afternoon uh, actually, I've spoken with you many times since yes. you were about fifteen. Oh
1: my goodness, Max, we're going back too far now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I have a passion fruit and Nellie Kelly grafted. Yes, and last year it had its first few flowers. There was about ten of them,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and they just uh, rotted and fell off. Mm-hmm. Now this year, there uh, it's grown like a weed. It's, it's got so much growth in it, but no sign of a bud or a flower.
1: Just be very, very um, um, patient with that, Max, because with passion fruit they require a constant temperature, and I mean a constant temperature both day and night. And of course, at the moment, of course, you're quite aware that we're getting really, really cold mornings, and that will affect our tropical things badly. So until our temperatures rise up during the evening time, we probably won't get any uh, flowers on. Unless you've got a passion fruit planted in a very, very protected spot, you know, it's getting a lot of warmth, and that's the only time you'll probably. Find that they will get flowers but certainly of course max don't forget to give them some potash to try and help promote the flowers
0: right. and
1: secondly particularly because you've mentioned the grafted passion fruit just be very very careful you're not getting those suckers that are coming up that are in entirely different shaped foliage
3: yeah i keep me on them. yes that's very good get because you
1: it. need to get rid of those as you yeah. say yes so just be patient get some potash around it and of course yes just keep the water up to it and you will get flowers eventually Oh, very good. All right. Thanks for that, David. Thanks, Max. Bye for now. You too. Bye bye now.
0: Thank you very much, Max. And uh, Jan from Thornton joins us now, David.
1: Hello, Jan. Hello,
4: David. Just a quick question. Uh, Large tippuccina trees. Is it too late to give them a hard prune?
1: Well, not really. I mean, look, certainly there. Are, I mean, I've had people in that have said they've got tibishinas in flower already. And, I mean, my goodness, it's only spring and they normally don't flower until autumn. So, I mean, certainly you could prune it back nice and hard. Now, you will get all the growth and you should get a boost of flowers in the autumn months at its normal time anyway. Oh,
4: that's good. Thank you, David. You're welcome. Thank Bye you. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you, Jan. Easy fixed. Uh, to Gorakin we go now and Brian's on the line.
1: Hello, Brian. Yeah, hi
2: David. Um, I have two very. You there? Yes, I'm here. I have two very large uh, lily pillies, and the last few months uh, they've got um, it's like a really black coating on the leaves. Mm -hmm. And if you rub it with your thumb, you can eventually rub it off to see the green leaf underneath. Okay, and. And some of the leaves have little like little pimples
1: on them. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, first of all, Brian, at this time of the year, it doesn't hurt to actually give them a prune back. And in pruning them back, you're going to be taking a lot of that um, diseased area away. And that'll actually promote really good, strong growth and make the plant a lot healthier and bushier than probably what it was at the moment. Yeah, the black... Go on.
2: They are. They are quite uh, bushy. Okay. I'm using them as a privacy screen right. so I cut them down just to the
1: top of the thing. Well that's good. So you haven't done them this year or you're intending Not on yet. To, Okay. intending to do it. So do that before you actually treat them because the, the treatment which I'm going to suggest you've got sooty mold and scale or over the over the lily pillies. Now this is very common for lily pillies to get this particular disease. So you need to get yourself a product called anti-scale. And basically what you do with that, Brian, is you mix it up according to directions and just spray your lily pillies with that. Just a nice, even uh, spray all over your lily pillies. And then you need to come back about 14 days later and just give them another spray. And this is why I say before you actually do all this, it's a good idea to give them a prune because you're taking a lot of the uh, pests and disease away so you're not having to get so much of it under control. Yeah,
2: yeah, there is. it is quite Very well covered in them. All right.
1: Now, the the reason why sometimes we get um, the sooty mould and scale on things is because they're a little bit poor. So you may need to also probably consider giving them a good feed to try and promote some good, strong growth. And you'll probably find the more healthy your plants are, the less susceptible they are to actually getting pests and diseases on them.
2: Will the organic life be
1: enough? Look, the organic life is great. I mean, certainly organic life I cannot no longer get. We now switch over to a thing called Rapid Razor, but certainly they're both exactly the same product, and certainly, yes, it will promote really good growth for you. What's it called, Rapid Razor? It's called Rapid Razor, yes. It's another brilliant name, oh, I think, yeah. yes. It sounds dynamic, doesn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brian. Uh, one more, if yes, I may. Yes, certainly. Uh,
2: we've got a, uh, up the back uh, uh, on our back fence, is a uh, quite a, was it quite a huge? Oh, I said it's New Zealand Christmas tree or
1: bush. It was
2: quite large, and I've cut it down a third of it off, mm-hmm. actually sawed it because some of the uh, the trunks were quite thick. I did it about a month ago and there doesn't seem to be any sign of new life.
1: Okay. Just be a little patient on that. I mean, I know I've pruned quite a few things at home and I'm still waiting and waiting on growth. It will appear, but once again, it's because of our weather at the moment. We're getting very fluctuating temperatures and our temperature does go down considerably overnight. So we need a, certainly a good even temperature to get those things shooting away very quickly. Because you've pruned the New Zealand Christmas bush into fairly hard trunks, it will take a little more time to shoot shoot out but yes certainly it will do that you're not you haven't actually killed it uh, i have seen them prune to the state where they've got no foliage on them at all and they will shoot away nicely for you yeah okay all right
2: may i be so bold as to ask why you can't get the organic life
1: anymore uh there were complications with that and i've put a lot of research into uh, finding a substitute for that and that's why i've gone with the rapid razor But as I said, the same sort of product, basically it still has all those same wonderful components in it, the seaweed, fish emulsion, blood and bone. So as I said, it's exactly the same and exactly the same price, but only just a different label. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Bye-bye now.
0: Bye. Thank you, Brian. 49216216 is our number. Lines are free if you've been waiting to get on. Now's a good time to give us a call. 49216216. Maureen from Newcastle's with us now.
1: Hello, Maureen.
5: Hello, David.
0: <laughs> How are you?
5: I'm um, well. That's good. David, I have, as you know, I look up quite a few uh plants
6: mm. and pots
5: around where I'm living. And uh my Indian hawthorns, they flowered beautifully this year and they're just finished flowering.
1: Mm-hmm. Now
5: I thought would be a good time to feed them. Yes. Now I have slow release and I have some saturate and I have premium soil. Okay. Which one do I put
1: first? Look, i tell you what, Maureen, I think I'd be using some saturate because, I mean, I know a lot of things you look after are in pots and the saturate is really good for pots because it's going to help retain the moisture. So you can sprinkle some of that on and then you can put some of your slow-release fertiliser around as well and then just water that in. That way it'll go down into the soil. The saturate will then start to hold the moisture and, of course, the slow-release will start to feed your Indian hawthorns. Maureen, what I would also suggest that you do is that the old flower heads that the that were on there yes. just 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 trim those off as well if you can because then that way it'll shoot nicely back into growth
5: Yes, all right then, that okay. sounds good. So don't worry about putting any of the premium soil on a little bit. Basically. Only
1: only if you feel that the soil has gone down in the pots, so you can put that on after you've put these other two products on just to raise your soil level just slightly in case, you know, the soil has gone down in the pots. That's the only time I'd use that.
5: All right. Now these, where you say trim off the flower, yes. where they've died off, mm-hmm. so do uh, they turn into little uh, like little pods so that they're the things i prune
1: yeah that's right they, they will eventually if you leave those on they will eventually form seeds or little round berries which yes. contain the seed and there's really no need to keep those on the plant because they're taking all the energy from the plant right. so when you cut these flowers off or these flower heads off all the energy goes back into the growth again which is exactly what you need
5: all right thank
1: you david thanks that's cool. okay thank you bye 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 uh,
0: Linda from Howes Valley is on the line now.
1: Hello, Linda.
4: Hi. How are you today?
1: Good, thank you.
4: Excellent, it's a beautiful day. Oh,
1: it's glorious. <laughs>
4: um, could you help me? Um, I've got a mulberry tree. Um, and I think it's about its fourth year. Um, I've got fruit off it already this year. Um, and there's still some red berries on it, but they're very, very tiny. Can you tell me um, why? And should I be doing something to encourage? <laughs>
1: plumper fruit right okay well the 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 only way you actually create plumper fruit is to keep the water up to it because mulberries are very very heavy feeders particularly with water so the more water you keep up to mulberries the plumper the fruit is going to be so uh that's the that's it actually that's the secret to getting nice mulberries it's just lots and lots of water
4: what about a fertiliser? Do they need fertilising?
1: They do, but of course yeah. you've got fruit on it at the moment, so basically the, the fertiliser's not going to do a great deal... And if you go adding fertiliser now whilst you've got fruit, sometimes you'll find that the fruit will just fall off because it's too much of a shock for the tree. Okay. But certainly after it finishes uh, bloss- uh, fruiting, you can throw just a fruit and citrus fertiliser around it, water that in, and that will, of course, go into growth. And if you really need to prune it, that's also the time to get in and prune it when it's finished its fruiting because that way you'll prune it back nice and severely and it'll shoot away with beautiful new growth again.
4: Okay, so- um there is no other reason that, that um the fruit's small other than the water because I I think I do so. Okay. Give it a lot
1: of water the only um, the only other thing often sometimes mulberries will get a little mite in the fruit which caused them to be a little bit in on the deformed side but it's not always a, a very common thing to actually get that in mulberries
4: it wouldn't be that they're uh, that it's um, amongst gum trees and it's maybe getting a little bit too much shade from the gum tree.
1: oh possibly mm-hmm. but then again most mulberries are fairly dense sort of foliage things so the mulberries still form quite easily underneath all that foliage so okay. I wouldn't think it would be the gum trees all right
4: next year i'll give it a little, <laughs> little bit and, and and another question please mm. um, plums and nectarines and things i'm new at all this you're my personal trainer good <laughs> um, <laughs> now i've got fruit on that's these. a good way of putting it isn't it? isn't
1: never <laughs> thought of that
0: that's what we'll call you from now okay, on okay all right personal trainer. Uh,
4: um, now i've got fruit on these trees should i be um, doing anything um
1: Yes. or just leave them or alone
4: and just give them
1: drink one very important thing besides giving them lots of water particularly whilst they're in fruit because once again they're taking up lots and lots of water mm-hmm. is to actually hang a dak pot or a fruit fly trap in your tree so that's going to be an indicator of when the fruit flies around okay. so that it doesn't spoil the fruit remembering it is only an indicator it's not actually a, a problem solver with fruit flies it's just an indicator of when there are flies around and you need to go to other measures to get rid of the fruit fly but I think, Linda, that's probably the next thing you need to do is just to hang one of the fruit fly traps in your tree.
4: Excellent. Well, I was going to do that. So, okay, <laughs> great. Thank you very much for your advice. You're
1: welcome, Linda. Bye bye. Okay. Bye.
0: Thank you very much, Linda. Um, our next caller is Warren. Warren's from Patterson.
1: Hello, Warren. Good day, How are you today? Well, thank you. That's good. good. Lovely day. It's glorious. Yes. Hopefully
2: you can make my day better. Okay. Because I've got a problem with my muscatel grapes. Mm-hmm. Um, each year, since I've been had, had the plant here at Patterson, uh, they don't all ripen together. Right. They seem to stagger, and um, most of the time we miss out on them because they don't uh, mature properly. And I'm just wondering if there's something that's... I'm not feeding it with properly or whatever. Well, let's just
1: run through the things that you need to do to your grapevines. First of all, of course, you're pruning them back in the wintertime, which, of course, they only bear on their new growth, which is why we prune them back every year so severely. Secondly, of course, we need to feed them after we have pruned them just with a citrus fertiliser because that entails most of your fruit tree, fruit, fruit. Citrus fertiliser. Yes. And also mix some potash in with that because that's actually a flower and fruit producer. So that's going to... Well, that's great because that produces a much better crop. The only other thing, of course, is just, as I've mentioned to Linda earlier, is just plenty of water, or not plenty of water, but just to keep them moist so that that keeps the water going into the plants to give you your plump fruit. But as far as the time goes, as as far as maturing goes, no, I really can't solve that for you because that's entirely up to um, the weather in general that's going Mm. to to, to, um, give you the, the time of fruiting. So. Yeah, We had a terrible year last
2: year with them, of course, with the,
1: the humidity.
2: You know, yeah. Just about lost everything. But well, I've got a Natalia grape there, and it just
1: goes gangbusters. Okay. I think possibly the only other thing, too, particularly when if it's a late-bearing grape, is to make sure you keep a fungicide up to them because it's... I do the, that. Yeah, yeah, well, that's great, because that stops a lot of this powdery mildew that gets onto the fruit and causes them to rot as well. But right. other than that, just, Warren, hmm? other than that, there's nothing else I can suggest to you. Hmm. All right.
2: Now, another one, uh, the uh, tomatoes, where you get a a viral thing on it, I don't know what it is, Uh, uh, it seems to, the plant comes along very nicely and then all of a sudden it gets this yellowing on the leaves and on the Mm stalks and um, and then eventually the whole section of that dies off. But then when the whole thing dies right back and then all of a sudden it shoots back up again and I start to get some tomatoes off them. Mm hmm I'm just wondering what it is that's causing it. I've never ever had a problem with them before.
1: Well, what I normally suggest with tomatoes, particularly for those people that grow quite a few tomatoes, is periodically through the season, once again... Uh, because it's all it all revolves around humid weather is just to spray them occasionally just with a fungicide to prevent any fungal attacks from actually getting onto your tomatoes because because this is a this is a must during the hot humid weather and even if you water that into the ground at the same time now you only need to do this probably once every three weeks to Mm -hmm. just keep this at bay but other than that once again make sure of course you water them at the same time approximately every day don't alter your waterings because this will affect the tomato i know that sounds quite bizarre but it is true so if you're watering the morning make sure you continue watering the morning and vice versa Um, and the only other thing is of course feeding i mean because tomatoes are so rapid in their growth like most vegetables just keep the liquid fertilizer up to them and that just keeps them growing and fruiting all the way through the season all
2: right there sir thank you very much for that i much appreciate it and i'll
1: follow that through and see what happens very good thank you Warren. Thank you for okay. your Okay,
0: bye-bye now. Fine. Thank you, Warren. I was making notes about tomato care there, David. Very good. I'll, I'll do that when I get home. <laughs> uh, next on the line, it's Jim from Y.E. Point. Hello,
3: Jim. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. I've got a problem with uh, lantana. Yes. <coughs> My problem is the bloke next door.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I'm using glyphosate. For yeah. yes. 30 mil per litre. Yes. Is there any other... Seen, but don't seem to be hitting it real
1: heavy. Well, unfortunately, with the glyphosate, um, Jim, it, it's not going to be a very strong product. It needs to work probably better on younger foliage, which means the lantana would be best to be cut down as much as it possibly can and then sprayed with the glyphosate on the young foliage. Oh, yes. Now, there is a stronger product, and it is, a, it is actually simply called tree and blackberry killer. Now, it is very, very toxic, and that's why it's always the last thing that I mention to people. But it is designed basically to kill things like blackberries. So you may want to look into that. Now, as I said, being toxic, it does actually harm the ground, and anything it comes in contact with, it will affect and kill as well. So you've got to be extremely careful with it. But um, to be on the safe side, I would still continue to use the glyphosate particularly when it's not on your property. That's why you've got to be extra careful. Uh, yeah. You wouldn't want to be spraying tree and blackberry killer around because that, as I said, is, is quite harmful to the environment. Well, on the back here it says
3: 40 mil
1: per litre, so I might bump it up instead of 30. Yeah, try, try that and see how it goes. Make sure you always go according to the directions, but if it says for blackberries the 40 mils, that's what you really should be using. Well, thanks very much for that. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye now.
0: Thank you, Jim. Lantana's been a problem for as long as I can remember, yep. I think, David. I used to go to Walton High School, and even in my high school days, Lantana was all through that area there. But aren't
1: they beautiful to eat? Lantana. Oh, sorry, no, I'm thinking of blackberries. <laughs> blackberries. <What about?
0: laughs> oh, blackberries. We had blackberries yes, in Edgeworth, yes. too. We used to go blackberry, yes. and, and, and they were that. nice, yes. yeah. But we've never eaten Lantana. No, no, <laughs>
1: I don't know what I was thinking of then, Phil. Sorry. Uh, well, I was well, in the blackberries thinking yeah. blackberries were talking about um, lantanas. Yeah, you, you you were off picking blackberries yes. there,
0: I think. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's say hello to uh, Eric from Raymond Terrace. Hello,
1: Eric. Hi, David. What can I do for you?
3: I've got a problem with my um, lemon tree. I've got a beautiful Maya lemon that I've had for many years. Mm-hmm. And it continually fruits all the time. But this year, the fruit seems to be dropping off. Okay. Uh, not ripening co- completely, uh, and then just falls off.
1: Okay, then. Well, the only thing that often affects citrus trees and causes things to fall off is just something that's happening within the ground, whether it's something has been changed within the ground, or whether the root system has hit some ground that it doesn't particularly like. I mean, look, certainly we have days like a, a week Friday where we had really, really hot days, which sometimes doesn't affect things greatly just being the one day, but then sometimes it will tend to burn things very easily or singe them very, very slightly. So sometimes That will affect the fruiting of things as well. I think the most important thing with anything that fruits is that just make sure you do keep the water up to it. The ground is exceptionally dry at the moment, so you really do need to keep the water up to things. And also if you went to the trouble of just watering some liquid fertiliser around them every couple of weeks, particularly whilst they're in fruiting stage as well, because that's pumping the fertiliser into them and just giving them that little bit of extra push. Okay, thanks for that, David. You're welcome, Eric. Thank you.
0: Bye. Thanks, Eric. 49216216 is our number. Give us a call if you've got any problems at all with your garden. Let's hear what Pete from Mayfield has to say now, David. Hello,
1: Pete.
2: Hi, Dave. Look, I've got a problem with the miniature um, tree fur. No, tree yes. fur. Yeah. The fronds are browning off and withering up, and we've got bird's nest ferns. We've got all sorts of rainforest plants, and... Put this in amongst them. Not doing any good. Doesn't matter where we put it. It looks like it's getting burnt, but mm-hmm. it can't be getting burnt where it is. Any suggestions,
1: please? Okay. Well, look. Certainly, with the tree ferns, I know for a fact that if they if the soil dries around them, the the leaves will singe. And it's a combination both of the really hot conditions or really hot days and the drying of the soil. Now, this Cooper Eye tree fern, which is probably what you've got, if the trunk actually dries out as well, that's, that's a problem because sometimes if you keep the trunk moist, I mean, I know that can sometimes be a little bit of an inconvenience, but even when you're watering, if you can water the trunk to keep that trunk nice and moist, this solves that problem as well. So it's basically the combination of a hot day and the drying of the soil which causes the singeing of the leaves. Now, the tree ferns normally do prefer a fairly shady spot but the cooperi will take a little bit more sun than the other big-trunked tree fern.
2: Mm-hmm, OK, well, it's well, it hasn't, not even big enough to have a trunk at this stage. It's okay. basically growing out of the ground, so right. your fingers not wet
1: enough. I just think it needs to be probably kept a little bit moist because I know the ones at work, if the pots dry out, that's the end of the foliage. There's nothing we can do about it except cut all the foliage off and let them start over again. I'll cut it off, OK? Yeah, cut, look, cut the leaves off if they have singed. There's mm. no sense in leaving the leaves there because they will not come back to life. You may as well cut them off and let them regain more foliage again. Great, OK. Thanks very much for that. <coughs> You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Elaine from Garden Suburbs on the line
1: now. Hello, Elaine.
7: Hello there, David. I have been given a rose, a beautiful pink rose it was, and I've had it in water uh, and it was on a very long stem, I cut it off, and I've had both in the water, and leaves have sprung from that. Is it, is it all possible to uh, plant it and uh, strike it?
1: Yeah, it certainly is, particularly when you've got leaves um, shooting out from the stem. Just be a little bit careful, Elaine, because sometimes that's just called false growing, and it's just the energy that's just within the stem that is just sending out that young growth. So is the flower actually finished now?
7: The flower has finished, Okay, so and you've... strange enough, it's... It has died, but it hasn't
1: fallen at all. Okay. It's a beautiful rose. Yes. I don't know the name
7: of
1: it. Alright. Well, I'd certainly suggest now that you just cut that bud off because you if you don't, all the energy what's left will go into that bud to form a seed. I'll see, right. So yes. just cut that off. And then I would suggest that you just pop your cutting, your rose cutting, just into a garden outside or even in a pot uh, with some seed raising mixture or something like that to let it shoot away. It will take a considerable time for the root system to establish, but certainly it's worth a try isn't it it is yes. yes
7: well thank you very much for that
1: you're welcome okay thank you bye,
7: bye.
0: thank you very much elaine um let's uh, join lorraine now lorraine's
1: in cardiff hello lorraine
6: hi david how's the world
1: good thank you
6: <laughs> that's great um a problem well, i don't think it's a problem with the ornamental ginger
5: mm. uh,
6: the ones at the front because they only grow to about a meter high they've all died back fine yes. Uh, The ones in between the camellias down the side, because they're reaching for the sky and the sun, they haven't died back yet. Mm -hmm. And they're about two and a half metres tall. Mm -hmm. Um, They've got the branches, anything up to about five branches on the top, about 12 inches down, where they've had the blooms on. Uh, can I cut them back, if so?
1: How far? Well, look, certainly with gingers, it's always a good idea to cut them back every year, particularly mm. if they don't die down during the winter months, because otherwise it's just going to be very, very straggly, untidy right. growth. you know, they're
6: going
1: to... yeah. Yes. So I would suggest to cut them right down. I mean, you certainly can cut gingers right back to virtually ground level, oh, and okay. they will reshoot back up again from the ground, because that's just what gingers do. They just shoot from the ground. So, yeah, I'd go ahead and do that, um, Lorraine. Oh.
6: I was going to cut them back, but not quite that far. <laughs> Thinking, oh, you
1: know, <laughs> I'm well, not if, quite a even, you, <laughs> even if you even if you cut them back two thirds of the way back, that's still not going to be a problem. They'll still reshoot away. So if you if you want just wanted to cut them back two thirds, that's fine.
6: No, no, I'll go all the way okay. because you know the ones out the front I go. Yes, you know, They go down right. to ground level. Yes, but I just didn't know about these where they are sort of searching for the sun.
1: No, no, they'll soon they'll soon shoot away for you again.
6: Not going to be too
1: late. Not at all, no. Because I mean, really, we're still getting cool nights, which, of course, <laughs> gingers don't particularly like anyway. No, no. But certainly, once the weather warms up completely, they'll shoot away very, very fast.
6: Great, thank you. You're
1: welcome, Lorraine.
6: Okay, bye, okay,
1: bye.
0: Thank you, Lorraine. Um, Leone from Hidden Greeter is on the line next. David.
1: Hello, Leone. Hi,
7: David. I've got. Um, I'm just wondering. What's happening with my roses, some of my roses, particularly the blue moon, when it's budding, the outside um, petals are sort of like as if they're brownish and Mm -hmm. dying on the outside. What would be causing that and what can I do to fix it up?
1: Okay, well, there's a couple of things that normally cause this on roses. One of them is just a burning, Uh, perhaps once again, because we had this very, very hot day the week Friday, that can sometimes burn the little buds quite easily. But secondly, most commonly that happens is it gets thripped, and this is a little insect, very, very tiny little insects that sometimes we can't even see, they're so tiny, that just get into the bud and cause this browning of the petals. Now, this can be fixed just by using just a good complete rose spray, which of course you will be starting to use now quite regularly, at least once every yeah. two weeks. Yeah, Good. So just make sure that is a complete rose spray, that it has an insecticide as well as a fungicide in it because it's the insecticide we need to use to try and get rid of these little thrips.
7: Uh huh. Okay, well, i just that it was, the, particularly the Blue Moon was doing it last year as well. Yes. It continued doing it on this year. And, you know, like when I pruned them, I put the lime sulfur and all mm-hmm. that stuff on, but it's just, started doing it right from the beginning this year
1: it always seems to be the lighter shades of roses that often get attacked by thrips because they're attracted to these really light shades particularly yellows or whites are very very common to get attacked by thrips so just um, as i said just keep your rose spray up to it particularly if it is something that's got an insecticide in it okay thank you you're welcome Bye -bye. bye
0: Thank you, uh, Leone. Um, next caller is Bill. Bill's from Valentine.
1: Hello, Bill.
3: Hi. Uh, I'm just standing at the back of my house now. Mm. I've got a avocado tree, and it looks as though it's nearly dead. Oh, it's got um, hardly any leaves left on it. The leaves have gone yellow and brown. Um. Uh, or it did have a lot of flowers on it, but most of those now have uh, dropped off. It's about uh, seven years old.
1: Oh, okay. So it's, it's a reasonable age then in that case. Yeah. So tell me, there's nothing been done differently to it within the last month or two at all? Okay. So the only time, the only thing that normally would happen with, with something like that, particularly if it's, if it's a tree of that size, it's something down in the soil that's, that's obviously been changed or, or something like that. The, the, the roots may have encountered a bit of problem within the soil. Um, I don't think it would be fungal disease because normally that would happen very, very quickly, that you would get something that gets into the root system and just spreads very fast. Um, I think the only thing to do would be to probably give it a prune back to try and encourage some young growth, pop a little bit of citrus fertiliser around it, if you haven't already done that. I've already done that. Okay. So how long ago was the citrus fertiliser used? Uh, About a month. Okay. Well, that should be still working on it, so I'd still give that a chance to work, but certainly give it a prune back, Bill. Um, I would also...
3: Even with the you could say a little
1: avocados on the end. So I mean well, this is what we've got to look at, I mean we've got to try and get the growth of the tree, if you wanted to just leave the fruit on that may be taking all the energy from the tree and Mm -hmm. so consequently the other part of the tree will be suffering. Uh, Certainly if you wanted to leave those on, leave them on but do all this other treatment as well also too I probably wouldn't hurt to treat it with a fungicide in case there's a fungal disease that's actually got into the root system, so water some Mancozeb or Fungary around the base of the tree Uh, you'll only need to do that the once just in case there is a fungal disease there but certainly just a little bit of liquid fertilizer to try and push a little bit of growth into it as well but i would normally certainly when something like that has happened i would normally suggest for it to be pruned back slightly to try and get some new growth to come out of those old branches all right okay well good luck with that bill Okay, bye-bye now.
0: Thank you, Bill. Um, we go to Hamilton South next, and Margaret's
1: on the line. Hello, Margaret.
5: Hello, David. How are you?
1: Good, thank you.
5: David, I've got a Congo plant. Yes. And I've had it for two years. It's in a nice position. We've got a little um, place out the back that's glassed in. It gets mm-hmm. all the warmth. But all of a sudden, I noticed the leaves starting to fall off, and I looked out, and it's got an, a fungal. Okay disease on the leaves so So, what i've done i've wiped them over with a cloth with warm water on
1: yes yeah. So tell me, this, this fungal disease that you've noticed, Margaret, is, was it a white powdery sort of stuff, yeah. was it? Okay yeah. then. Yeah. Well, that's good that you've done that. I think possibly the only other thing you need to do to be on the safe side is to probably just treat it with a fungicide spray as well. Now, you'll need to take this outside to do this yeah. and you'll need to just mix up a fungal spray and just give it a light spray with that as well.
5: Would that be through me watering it too much?
1: Possibly it would, yeah, because it always is something that spreads very quickly. By yes. overwatering, and because the plant has been under a little bit of stress, it often causes pests and diseases. So oh, right. just be a little bit careful of that, particularly during the winter months when it is a little bit on the cold side. We don't like to keep things too wet. Now that we've gone into spring, summer, you'll yes. find that the soil will dry out a little bit faster for you, so it's quite okay to water it a little bit more.
6: Thanks for that,
5: David. And, David, could I ask you, when, you, when you've got curious in and the leaves get... um like, uh, I suppose it's a fungal on yes. them when they go, what well, What do you do or how do you pr- um, protect that?
1: Okay, well, this is the same sort of problem as you've had on your Congo. Yes. So you just need to use a product called Mankazeb. Uh, you can actually use this prior to actually getting the disease on the cucumbers because it will protect them against this disease. So if you get yourself some mangazeb and just okay. periodically, say once every three weeks, mix a batch up and spray your cucumbers, that should stop them from getting that white powdery stuff.
5: Right. Could I put that on my Congo plant you too? You
1: certainly could, yes. So it's mangazeb. Mangazeb. yes.
5: Oh, okay. Thank you very much, David. My
1: pleasure, Margaret. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you very much, Margaret. David, let's see if we can quickly fit Lynn from Western in before the news.
1: Hello, Lynn.
5: Hi, David. I'm sorry about the voice. (laughs) Um,
6: I've got some purple irises.
1: Yes but they've turned white. Why? I I know it's not funny, but people ask me this question, why things turn different colours, and I have no answer for that because normally when you buy something at a particular colour and it's already flowered at a particular colour, it should stay that colour. So that's why I'm laughing because I I really don't know the answer to that particular question. And I mean, I know I don't say that very often that I don't know the answer, but but this particular one, even like agapanthus, people have phoned me and said, oh, my agapanthus have turned turn white but I put them in as blue <laughs> I have no answer for that unfortunately Lynn so that's I'm okay. sorry about that
6: it wasn't just the common purple ones neither it was a red one at oh okay as well.
1: very uh, unusual mm, no I okay. have no reasoning behind that at all in I'm terribly sorry
6: that's all right thank okay. you very much anyway all right bye bye take, take Bye-bye. care of
1: that voice thank you Bye-bye. bye bye bye
0: Uh, David, we've got a few things to talk about before we We go back to the calls. Yes. Tell us all about
1: it. Okay. Well, first of all, this weekend is the uh, annual spring show for the Australasian Native Orchid Society. So that's this Saturday and Sunday. That's going to be held at Adamstown RSL Club. That's on Brunker Road, Adamstown. Opens both days from 10am and the only admission is a gold coin, so that's really worthwhile. And orchids, I mean, at this time of the year when they have the perfume from the orchids is just amazing, so that's well worth the visit. As well as that, I thought it's probably time this time of the year that we need to give over the, uh, fruit fly bait control. Let me remembering this is the one we make up at home. So I hope you've got all your pens poised ready for the, uh, <laughs> ingredients for the, um, the fruit fly trap, uh, which consists of a two, of two litres of water, a half a cup of sugar, one teaspoon of vanilla essence and two tablespoons of cloudy ammonia. Now I'm going to run through that again for you because I know you wouldn't have been able to get it all down. Two litres of water, a half a cup of sugar, one teaspoon of vanilla essence, and two tablespoons of cloudy ammonia. And basically what you do is that you just shake that all up so it all combines those ingredients. And then if you make up uh, just a trap yourself, and that can consist of just a plastic two-litre bottle that you cut the very top-funnelled section off the bottle and invert that backwards into the bottle. I'm um, with you. That's, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. good. I'm glad you can yeah. visualise that, Phil. Uh, invert it back into <laughs> the bottle because that creates your little funnel for the fruit flies to actually get trapped. So it's easy for them to get in, but it's hard for them to get out. That's exactly right, Phil. And of course, we put a small quantity of this mixture in the bottle, and just with a piece of wire, hang that in one of your fruit trees. Now, you don't need to put a a fruit fly trap in every single tree, but at least if you've got a big orchard, so to speak, you just need to put them probably every say, 6 to 10 metres apart. So that's going to trap your fruit flies, remembering it's not a control for fruit flies. So it's only an Indicator, and when you can start to see your fruit flies in this trap that's the time when you need to come into the nursery and just see what you need to spray for the fruit flies now remembering also too we've got tomatoes starting to appear on our tomatoes so a good little uh, spray for that is the pineapple juice recipe now I've got lots and lots of people that come in every year asking for this pineapple (laughs) juice recipe and it's very very simple all basically you need to do is get some golden circle pineapple juice and I'm not being paid to say Golden Circle, it's just that Golden Circle is a thicker brand of pineapple juice and you mix 60% of that to 40% of water and then you can spray this over your tomatoes. Now basically how this works is it's environmentally friendly of course because we drink pineapple juice ourselves, it just puts a sticky barrier on the tomato and stops the fruit fly from actually landing on the tomato. The thing is once it loses its stickiness, the fruit, you just spray some more pineapple juice recipe on it and that hopefully will keep the fruit fly away and yes believe it or not i've had lots of people tell me that this does actually work right
0: well i i may have a chance to try it this year i I mixed some up last year but my tomato plant died before i got a (laughs) chance to use it so i'll give it a go all right when uh, would would we be seeing fruit fly around from now on? Not yeah.
1: at the moment, because it's once again our early. temperatures are mm. a little bit low overnight. So this the, the fruit fly needs a constant temperature or close temperatures, I should say, both yeah. night and day, to um, to you know start hatching and start doing their, right. their dirty work, their nasty work. Mm. Yes. Okay, we'll be vigilant. Very good.
0: Okay, um, back to the course. Okay. now. I'm okay, um, Keith from Chain Valley Bay. Hello, Next.
1: Keith.
3: Hello, David. How are you going, mate?
1: Thank you. Uh,
3: first time caller, long-time listener, mate.
1: Very good. Thank you. Uh,
3: thank you. Yeah, I've got a couple of questions. Uh, one is about a uh, tree fern. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the 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 trunk on it's about nearly two metres high, and it's in a position where it gets full sun through the day and which burns the leaves off. Oh, I wonder wow. if I'd be able
1: to transplant it. Well, look, certainly something that's only two metres high, I'm sure this could be moved quite easily. The only thing is, Keith, you're going to have to cut all the foliage off at first because we need to do that because by moving it, those leaves will only fall off or singe and fall off anyway. So it's probably wise to do that first. Then if you wanted to... Leave
3: the, to, the curly knobs on where the new leaves are coming up. That's
1: right, yeah, because they're your new lot of foliage for this season. Then you just right. need to try and get as much of the root system around the base As you possibly can. Uh, How
3: how big is the root system on them? Are they a ball system or a spread out root?
1: they're, They're a fibrous root system, so you don't have to get the entire root system. It's just a matter of getting some portion of the root system underneath the trunk so you can move it successfully. And that's another reason why we cut all the foliage off to compensate for what you're severing off the root system. So then you need to move it to the new spot and, of course, prepare that area with some good compost and so forth and then make sure you're watered in afterwards. Now, also, the, the most critical thing is now that you've moved it, it's wise to keep that trunk moist as well. So when you're watering the base around the soil area, water the trunk as well because that's part of its root system at the moment. Right. okay. All right. Now, if it was any larger, I would often say just saw a part of the trunk off, saw the top section off, and stick that trunk in the ground. But seeing as it's only two metres high, I think you'll probably find that it will move successfully just by getting the root system as well.
3: Oh, that's true. It's too nice to uh, destroy, you know. Yes. Like it's right up against the back wall of my house, and I've got to move it because it's up against, right up against the wall. Yes. So it's... Uh... Oh, moved, it know? would
1: be a good opportunity to do that now before it gets very hot, Keith, as well.
3: For sure, yeah. Uh, second question.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, I've got our gardenia. I've had it for about 10 years. I had it in the pot at first, and uh, it didn't do anything. It grew, but it uh, only went to about a metre high. And I've never had a flower off it. Then I transplanted it into a garden that's been there for about eight years in the garden and still hasn't had a flower on it. Plenty, get- your foliage, <laughs> plenty of foliage, but no flowers.
1: I'd be getting rid of it, because I would be fed up with it if it hadn't had (laughs) a flower by now. I mean, gardenias (laughs) gardenias normally religiously flower twice a year, and I've never actually come across a gardenia that hasn't had some form of flower on it. Well,
3: I've had it at least 10 years, and it still
1: hasn't had one flower on it yet. Well, might I say, Keith, you're a very patient man to have kept it that long, (laughs) so if it was me, I think I'd be taking it out and replacing it with a brand new gardenia, because if If it Uh hasn't flowered by now, it's certainly never going to flower for you.
3: That's for sure. Yeah, actually, that's what I was thinking of getting rid of and put another one in there.
1: Yes. All right. Okay, David. Thank you very much for your trouble, mate. Thanks, Keith. All right. Bye-bye now. Cheers. Thanks, Keith. Some people are very patient, aren't they?
0: Yeah, that must almost be the definition of (laughs) of, of (laughs) a patient person. Wow. Okay. um, Let's see what Barry from Belmont has to say today.
1: Hello, Barry. Hi, David. How are you today? Good, thank you.
3: Um, uh, well, they want the sandy uh, soil
2: area. Mm, yes. Uh, how would uh, kiwi fruit vine go in this
1: area? Well, look, kiwi fruit seem to grow all right in most districts. The only thing is, particularly in sandy soil, you're going to have to work on the ground, get some really good compost into the ground, first of all, Barry. Yeah. And secondly, when you've planted it, it would be a very good idea to put a good mulch over the top of it, because kiwi fruit prefer it to be fairly cool, but at yeah. the same time, they like a good sunny spot. So I think a mulch would take care of that for you. So I think you'd still get away with it, remembering, of course, with kiwi fruit, that you do need male and females to produce the fruit. Uh, mm-hmm. and otherwise, you will not get any fruit at all.
2: Okay, so how do I tell the difference between you,
1: the plants? Well, you actually, when you buy the kiwi fruit, it will actually be marked male or female. And there is quite a distinctive difference in the flowers when they do flower. But if you're just purchasing kiwi fruits, they are actually marked male and female plants.
2: All right, okay. All right. But, yeah, thank you very much for that, David. You're that welcome.
1: Was, I didn't have a clue about that. Oh, okay. Or about yeah. the male and the female. Yeah, yeah. There's not many plants that um, that you get that have male and female uh, uh, plants, but certainly kiwi fruit is amongst those. Yeah.
3: Well,
2: thank you very much for that, David. All right. Good
1: luck have with a good it, Good afternoon, okay. and I'll catch
2: you again later on. All
1: right. Bye bye okay. now.
2: Bye.
0: Thank you, Barry. There we are. You've you've given somebody some. Well, I shouldn't be surprised. You've given someone some useful information (laughs) today. 49216216 is our number. Uh, Still time to get in with a question for David before uh, he leaves us at half past one on Gardening Talkback. John from Cessnock is on the line now, David.
1: Hello, John. Yeah, uh, David. Yes. Uh, I've got about uh,
2: 13 uh, rose bushes,
1: eh?
2: mm Anyway, uh, I've them with uh, marathon. Oh, Yes. Anyway, yeah, the leaves have uh, turned brown.
1: All right, OK. Well, I would say, John, the only thing that uh, would have caused that is the malathine may have been a little bit too strong. Or secondly, you may have used it on a reasonably warm day, a very, very sunny day. Sometimes this, particularly in really hot weather, we should never use chemicals on those hot days. Otherwise, we should use them first thing in the morning or late in the afternoon. But I think probably in your case, because it's still very, very mild, it may have been just because the chemical was just a little bit made up, a little bit too strong, and it's been put on too heavily onto the rose plant. Now, John, I wouldn't worry too much about this. The leaves, yes, have gone brown. They may fall off, but you will get more growth. It's only just basically burnt.
2: Well, they, um, they, uh,
1: they come back. They certainly will. You've just got to be a little bit patient. The leaves will reappear again. You'll get more new growth and more new foliage. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. Certainly, if you wanted to, you could just give them a really, really light prune again, and that way they'll shoot out with all nice new growth yeah, for well, you. Yeah, um,
2: What I was doing is is cutting all the uh, dead
1: leaves off. Yep. They will fall off naturally, John, so you may not even have to do that. But certainly they will reshoot away again. It's just the spray's been just a little bit too strong for them.
2: Do I, John, do I uh, give them... um Heavy uh, watering or what?
1: Yes, this is very, very important now that you just keep the water up to your roses because they are growing really strongly at the moment. So the more water you give them, the stronger they're going to grow. Right up. All right. Okay. Thank you, John. Okay. Bye bye now. Bye bye. Oh, now, this is a very, very common mistake, and we should make mention of this. Now, Mm. you must always make up your sprays according to direction, because, I mean, I know the old wives tell of some people, oh, yes, if we make it a bit stronger, particularly with weed sprays, we're going to get the job done a little bit faster. In actual fact, that is incorrect, because sometimes if you make the sprays up, as John has found out, you will burn things very, very Mm. easily. So just make sure you always go strictly according to the directions, not this little slurp in the bucket and think oh yes that's enough you must do it according to directions otherwise this will happen you will get burning on the foliage and the other thing as you've just heard me say is never do any spraying of chemicals on very hot days because they aren't designed to actually be used on very hot days they must be used when the temperature is fairly mild otherwise once again you will always have burning.
0: Right, but um, in John's particular case, nothing to panic about. Nothing to know. panic
1: because particularly with something like roses, you know, you can give them a light trim back, the leaves, the old, the burnt leaves will fall off and you will get nice new growth on roses because it's only really the, still the beginning mm-hmm. of the season for them.
0: Excellent news. And, David, we say hello now to Lorraine from Caves Beach. Hello,
1: Lorraine. Hi
7: there. Uh, just inquiring about my Daphne plant. Mm-hmm. Uh um, you am wondering how far back
1: I can cut it. Don't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just,
7: it's just so scraggly. It doesn't get leaves on it as
1: such. All right. Look, Daphne's are so temperamental. and I mean, I just congratulate the people that actually got them growing because they are so difficult to grow. And Caves Beach, that's just amazing to have one growing out that way, next to the coast. So that's um, a really big congratulations for that, Lorraine. It but,
7: gets a flower on it. yes but it's just so
1: scraggly right. and no it leaves is up. All right. Well, what I, I, I would only suggest that you cut it very little. And when I say very little, it's only a third of the growth off. So you're really just taking the tips off all the way round, and then just feeding it very, very carefully with something like some blood and bone and just hope for the very best that it's going to shoot away again for you because, as I said, they are just so temperamental. LAUGHTER <Steak. laughs> I mean, look, the only other thing to do, Lorraine, is just to leave it and to feed it with some blood and bone. And that may create a bit more growth for you. But as I said, be very, very careful. How long have you had it? It's been there for about nine years. Oh, well, there you go. So it's the perfect spot for it. Uh, so, yes, I would just trim it really, really lightly. I mean, they will reshoot out. I have seen them reshoot out once you've pruned them, but just do it lightly. Okay, Doug. All right. Thank you very, very much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: We're holding our breath, yes, Lorraine, until and, and like we that. hear from you. Gosh. Yes. I, I, I know I've, I've spoken a lot about my waratah, but mm, I did the same that's thing. That's another thing. I I haven't let any fertilizer get anywhere near it. It's over in a section of the garden where nobody ever goes. It's just, um, but the flowers finished now. So I I I tell you what, Phil, that's
1: that's when we were in when I was in the Blue Mountains a couple Mm. of weeks ago. That's what I did see lots of waratahs, and they were out everywhere. That's the first
0: place I ever saw them growing wild in the bush. It
1: was just Um, amazing the amount of gardens that had them growing successfully. I mean, the old ones, of course, just Mm. you know the old red ones, not like today where we've got the whites and the yellows and yeah, the, pinks the shady sort of, ladies yes, what i've got right. yeah, yeah but um, yeah i saw them everywhere up there it was oh. amazing
0: and now they've had snow
1: yes it? wasn't that weird <laughs> that we weren't there this weekend i yeah, mean from that... all those gardens i mean all those beautiful shows and yeah. things i'm just wondering what it did to the gardens because i had yeah, a lot of yeah. um, photographs sent to me via an email uh during the week and mm. all the the snow and ice that was on the ground was just mm. amazing
0: yeah we went from that Blast yeah. from from a red hot oven. Right. A couple of weeks ago to to um, snow and ice, wow, and and now amazing. sort of back into yes. a gentle spring again. Yeah, weird but, weather. Uh, yeah, but uh, the plants are, are adaptable. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, on the line next, uh, Trevor from
1: Black Hill. Hello, Trevor.
2: G'day, David. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I've got two questions. Um, I've got about five peppercorns growing in the in the yard. And they're virtually um, devoid of any leaves. There's no green foliage on them much at all. And uh, I do know a couple of times a year we do get attacked with a, a little um, orange uh, beetle type mm. thing that strips them, but there's no sign of them around at all.
1: So how how old would these peppercorns uh, be? I would
2: think probably about eight years old.
1: Okay, so they're, they're a reasonable age then. Yes, they are. Yes, look, I mean, look, certainly, I think sometimes this comes down to our conditions in general. I mean, certainly, Black Hill is notorious for having not the best of soil. Right. Um, and particularly in your area where, you know, a lot of it is clay soil. And of course, once clay does dry out, where we are in extreme conditions at the moment, that clay will tend to crush the root system of a lot of things. And this is why often we see in the bush that um, huge gum trees will just. Um, just die virtually overnight. And this is because of the root system being crushed by this heavy ground that's around them. So perhaps this may have happened to your peppercorns. What I would strongly suggest is that you, if you can, spike around them just with a garden fork and then just water some groundbreaker. Now, this is the liquid form of gypsum. And so basically it will work its way down into those holes that you've made and start working on the clay to try and help break it up. Okay. I'd also suggest that you probably pop some compost or cow manure or even a fertiliser around once you've um, made these holes as well because, once again, all this, um, all this product is going to go down into those holes and get closer to the root system, which will react with them a little quicker than we're just throwing it around the surface okay. normally. They
2: don't have grass growing up to them. They have sort of... Oh, OK. That rounds, um, ...probably about two metres wide around each
1: one with yes. the soil. right. Yeah. So I'll just break up that soil. Yeah, look, certainly do that or even go out further than those barriers and because the root system will probably be out further than the barriers yes, yes. Uh, and spike around there if you possibly can as well and just do this treatment, particularly with the groundbreaker because I think this is probably where the, the problem is that you've got this hard ground. So. Okay then. All right.
2: The second question was, I've got a lily-pilly which is about a metre and a half And I need to move it only a metre though, but it's sort of um, in the way.
1: You may have trouble in doing that because lily pillies don't particularly like being moved. But considering it's only about a metre in height, you probably will get it to move successfully. Just to try and get as much soil as you possibly can around the root system. Uh, And then you'll just need to just um, trim it lightly, take about a third of the growth off your lily pilly to compensate for what you're damaging in the root system. Thank you, David. All right. Good,
0: thank you. Thanks, Trevor. Bye 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 for now. now. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Trevor. And um, our last uh, caller, David, has rung in with a question. Uh, Peter from Mayfield has a miniature orange tree in a pot and its leaves are curly but still green has some fruit but has lost most of it what can the problem be
1: okay well certainly with the curling of the leaves i mean this is quite natural to get some form of curling from the leaves sometimes it does get a bug in the leaf i mean i would certainly if it's only on the younger growth the mm. the the twisted growth uh just trim those off and then just to prevent that from coming back a good product to have on hand is a product called pest oil because it stops the citrus leaf minor and of course all the other pests and diseases that often get onto citrus so Just keep that on hand and just spray your citrus, say, once every three weeks to keep all that under control.
0: Excellent. Okay, Peter from Mayfield, I hope that um, solves the problem with your miniature orange tree. Well, David, that's it for today as far as calls go, but we do have... um uh, a very important task well you have a very important task to do before we let you out at the studio door and that's to choose somebody to be the recipient of these wonderful things including this this fascinating plant right. just run through them all, all right. again for okay. us
1: okay <laughs> it's called an armeria and this particular yeah. one's called bees lilac and it is a beautiful little plant these beautiful long stems i can
0: imagine the, f- the bees working yes on that one yes too. they
1: do yeah. uh these lovely big pom oh not big but the lovely big Pom-pom flowers all sitting on the top of these very, very long stems. So it's quite a pretty little plant for a nice sunny spot in the garden, as well as the backyard harvest pack. This is this bag full of goodies, which consist of the seed raising mixture, the tray to grow them in, some seeds, and a culture sheet there, uh, as well as a box of the tomato plant food. And I thought I might give it to Margaret of Hamilton South today. She rang us about the fungal problem she had on a Congo as well as her cucumber plants. That's right. So, Margaret, all you really need to do is just make your way out to Walls End Community Nursery and that's of course on the corner of Lake and Crowdus Road, Walls End. One condition is try and get in before next Monday's program where I will have a brand new gift to give away next Monday.
0: We'll look forward to that David and we'll look forward to seeing and hearing you again <laughs> next Monday on Gardening Talkback.
1: Thank you Phil, I'll see you then and good gardening everyone.